All right, now is it on? Okay, they were adjusting it back there, and I didn't have it on. I'm not sure how that got turned off. Maybe it was off the whole time you guys were talking earlier. Okay. Oh, great. Well, bloopers that happen in church accidentally. All right, guys, we went to the church. I want to go to church next week with a microphone, okay? so. <laughs> oh, good. I, uh, I was wondering why my voice was struggling this morning. Okay. Um, Paul had a clear mission. And we all have a clear mission. Jesus said to go and teach all nations. To teach all nations. And heaven is real. It's a glorious place of peace. But hell is hot, and those who reject Jesus Christ will go there. And as Christian shared, how he recognized, look, hell is real, and I don't want to go there. And I recognize that if I don't put my faith in Christ, I'm going to go to hell. He comes to a place where you recognize, look, the way I'm going is the broad path that's leading to destruction, and I'm going to choose to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And I believe it's very important that we understand we ought to follow the Bible more than the traditions of any man. Um, heaven is a place that is full of joy. I thank God that. But my friend, hell's a place of eternal suffering. And Jesus even tells us there's going to be those who cast out demons who will wind up in hell. And I sure do not want to be uh, somebody who was close enough to the faith but didn't get in the faith. We want to make sure we have our faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, heaven is a place where the presence of God is. And in our church, there ought to be the presence of God. And you realize the presence of God is when God's people get in touch with God. And that's when the presence of God shows up in the local church. And because of this reality, our a church, uh, uh, I believe, really, if we're going to develop and, and stay strong, we must uh, not bounce around, but instead be committed to what God's commanded us to do. And the Bible tells us the Apostle Paul went from place to place, but with one purpose. The purpose that he had was to establish a gospel-preaching church to ordain elders in that church. That was Paul's purpose for which he went. And uh, Paul was a church planter, and we're not church planters. All of us are not, okay? Some, God may call you to be a church planter. Uh, God has directed us to come help and start this church and, and restart this church work and, and cause the, the gospel to go forward and souls to be saved in this town. And we're seeing God do that. And look, there's stages of a church plant. And a church is at the, this church is at the beginning stages of a church replant, okay? We're reestablishing a local church in a place where there is a great need for the gospel to go forward. In a place where our children, our grandchildren, the great-grandchildren that we know in this town need to be one to Jesus Christ. And somebody's going to have to tell them. And so we recognize that need. And so this church exists for the propagation of the gospel to cause others to come and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Now... And there's different feelings and emotions that are associated with different building structures, my friend. But ultimately, we need the presence of the Almighty God, not just a feeling. And there's, there's this whole group with Baptist International Missions that travels in the United States, and they start what's called reseeding America. And they're sending pastors into towns where the churches have died out to start a new church, to start a church where all the churches are boarded up and closed. And there is a great need if you just take a little drive up to a town very close to us, right? In Pulteney, those church houses, most of them are sold as houses now, and people live in them. If you take a drive just a little bit over here to Middle Granville, the church houses, one of them is now made into some sort of an art gallery owned by an effeminate individual. The other one, the other one 
has the Catholic one has an individual, uh, and this is crazy, but a, uh, a woman living there, and she said, though, she said her boyfriend was not comfortable coming over and sleeping with her in that house because they're sleeping literally on the platform of the church. And he, was not, he felt a little nervous about that. Doing those types of things in the house of God. But what used to be a place of worship. But the Catholic Church is now a used, now used as a house. It's a sad thing. When a place where uh, that used to represent the word of God is now basically a home. And we want to have a place where the gospel goes forward. We have a wonderful opportunity to follow the Bible and build a church that will be a bright lighthouse on this corner. You know, when you think, this is what encourages my faith. When you think about in the book of Acts, they go to towns and there's just synagogues where they're teaching false religion. Where they're teaching false faith. Where they're teaching a works-based religion. They did not believe that Jesus was the way. And they were trusting in their good deeds, these Pharisees, to get them to heaven. They were not trusting in faith in Christ. And you see, Paul comes in. They got religion, but they don't have a relationship with Christ. And he establishes local New Testament churches. And I thank God for Paul and the vision he had. And when I see Paul and what he did, it encourages my heart that God wants to do it again. And all God's people said, it needs to happen. That's why we're letting missionaries go and encouraging missionaries to go. My friend, it is not a lost cause, okay? It is not a lost cause. You look at these missionaries, and we have missionaries in the back wall, and many of those we support on the back wall, and they go and they start a church in a little town where there's no gospel-preaching church or limited gospel-preaching, um, where people are very mixed up and trusting in their good deeds, works-based salvation instead of a relationship with Jesus Christ. We have a wonderful opportunity to seek to lead people to Jesus Christ. We want to be a place where souls get saved and the saved serve. And a place where our kids grow up to know about the love of God and they will impact their friends with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's nothing, like, nothing as sweet as when your child is praying, as mine often do in the evening, and they're starting to pray for people. And they, they prayed for... They prayed for many of you in the room last night. They prayed, for, uh, they prayed for people that they know in the community that need to get saved. And they pray that God would send people to his house. And you think God's going to hear the prayer of children? I believe he will. And uh, you say, which church is right for me? And I thank God my daughters have a desire uh, that the church house will be a place where people worship Jesus Christ. As we continue on this morning, let's look in the text and we see this. There's the visible presence of God. The visible presence of God. The Bible tells us in verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, It says, Come over and help us. In verse 15, though, after they go now to these cities, and they go to this town, and they go over to Macedonia, God sends them to a woman whose name is Lydia. And it says in verse 14, That a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, who worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened that she attended unto the things which were spoken of by Paul. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me faithful unto the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. The Bible says it was a woman whose heart the Lord had opened. I thank God for that. When you see God open somebody's heart, it's an exciting thing. Has God opened your heart yet? Man, when God opens your heart, it's a beautiful thing. When God opens your heart, the visible presence of God. The visible presence of God. Look, I cannot open your heart. You can't open my heart. You can't open your friend's hearts. Jesus alone can do it. But when God does it, it is a beautiful thing. And I've seen God open some hearts. 
I've seen God open some hearts around here, and it's exciting seeing God do it, because when God does it, my friend, you just stand back and say, wow, people said this was impossible, but God did it. My wife and I clearly have sensed that God led us and that God is continuing to lead us to move here to New York and stay here and serve here. And although there was much spiritual needs uh, when we came and we saw there was many spiritual needs, we sensed there was a desire to want God to show up. My friend, but when you see God show up and you haven't seen God show up for 40 years or 20 years, you aren't even going to know what you're looking at. You realize when God shows up, things start happening. People start to repent. People start to come out of the, their, their sinful lifestyle. People start to get out of their drunkenness. People start to get victory in the grace of God. And God's been doing some very wonderful things. I remember uh, how God began to work. And the very first man who trusted Christ here when we moved here, and uh, he trusted Christ right here in a service sitting right there, Brother John. And I remember the tears coming down his eyes. And a few weeks later, God began to give him victory over some things. And one of those things was, you know what? God gave him victory over drinking. Amen. God gave him victory over that. And, and he said, Pastor, you know what? It's a glorious thing to now be able to have a birthday where I'm actually sober. Amen? As a Christian. As a Christian, now I know Christ. Now I can lead other people to Jesus Christ. And in his workplace, trying to lead other people to Christ, you pray for him. God encourages his heart. And I thank God for how he has been faithful and been an encouragement. And God's been working in his life. And he's been discipled here. And he's growing here. And he's, he's been able to uh, preach and help and serve. And he's doing a wonderful job doing that. And then, and then John was there at his workplace at the gym back then. And John invited this family right here. And, God, and John invited... Some friends. He said, come, would you come to my church? And that's how Kamari and his mother, Linda, and they got to come to church. And God began to work in their lives. And Kamari, right before the virus happened, went home and trusted Christ in his home. Amen? And uh, put his faith in Jesus Christ by a simple question, when did you get saved, Kamari? He went home. He was so serious about it. He went and put his faith in Christ. And, and you know, God began to work in his life, and we've been seeing God work in his life. And that's exciting. I'm, aren't you glad God's working? Amen. And when you see the questions on people's hearts, and God begins to answer those questions, it encourages your heart. And then, and then the virus came. Amen? That was disgusting and crazy and confusing. And we... Saw all of our friends' churches closing up, and we didn't know if we ought to close up, man, I tell you. There was a couple Sundays I told Virginia, I said, should we close or should we not close? You have no, the amount of fear that was being placed in the hearts of the people was incredible. The amount of fear that was being placed in the hearts of preachers was incredible as uh, things were going on. And God sent some friends to us, and that's when I got to know Christian. And uh, that's when Christian started coming, and, and then Christian started, started getting discipled, and and uh, Christian started growing, and Christian started giving up some of his habits and things that he needed to give up. And God began to give him victory in his life. And, and then God uh, gave him Stephanie, and they got to know each other right after he finished discipleship. And, and the rest is history on that. God works in people's hearts. God works and God moves. And I've seen many of you in the room. God is working in your heart even recently, and I know uh, God's stirring Jen's heart. And Jen, it's such an encouragement to see you back in the house of God. And God's stirring her heart. And, and just the way the Lord stirs is he convicts us, and he cleanses us, and he causes us to draw near to him. And I've just been so refreshed by the fact and way God's stirring. And many of you in the room, God's stirring your hearts. And sterling. God's stirring his heart and working in his heart. God is stirring. You say, my friend, 
look, I've been preaching in the same place for four years, and all of a sudden God starts to stir people's heart. You know what? I take note of that. I take note when all of a sudden my phone starts to be activated and messages come into my wife's and my phone about good things, godly things, wholesome things, a desire and a thirst to seek God. I take note of that and that has happened many, many times. And it is the visible presence of God. God does something. God shows up. And I tell you, when Paul came to the little city of Derby, he and then in Lystra, he met this man named Timotheus. And you know what? You never know who might be the next Timotheus. And with every man in the room, God has potential for you. And every woman in the room, God has potential for you. And men, if, if you'll be a leader in your home, great things will happen. And great things will happen. God wants us to be leaders. And, and it has been said many times, and I agree with this, if you get the man, you get the family. But you understand, um, you get the children, and the children come just for a program, and all, the, all you have is a children's program, and you have a cool children's program, and you're just coming because of the children. Uh, we don't get the whole family. The whole family is not one to Christ. We need the whole family to trust in Jesus and follow Jesus, and that's how the children grow up in a good place where they get to know God and walk and follow in His Word, the visible presence of God. And dear Dad, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. We must never rely on past victories, but always believe God for present victories. Look, we have prayed that, that these men who have been discipled and mentored would join with us and help and establish this work. And I have, I tell you, I didn't know where God was going to send you, Christian. And you know, we had many meetings about this, right? And I said, Christian, wherever God sends you is okay. You know how hard that was for me to say? <laughs> I really meant it. And I still mean it, Okay. Now that you're here, okay, you're, you're helping serve here, right? <laughs> Commit. And, but I, I told Christian when we first started meeting, I said, Christian, I know you might wind up going wherever, doing whatever, but God sent you here right now during this time of the virus. Let's be friends. Let's mentor. Let's, let's grow. Let's, 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 let's grow closer to Jesus Christ. And God has done great things. We've seen God continue to work. Uh, we're constantly looking for Timothy, all right? And uh, we're constantly looking for another Timothy because, look, the more men that are mentored and are discipled, the more chance the church has of being strong and growing. And I thank God each of these men are growing in different ways. And it's exciting seeing and many of you other men growing too, okay? I'm not just singling out a few. These are the men that I've mentored and personally mentored. Um, but many of you, God's working in your hearts. It's just really exciting to see that. This summer, we're going to do something we did last year. We're going to do it again. We're going to have a summer intern come. We're going to bring a young man this summer. And you pray for him. His name is David. Lord willing, he's going to sign on the dotted line this week about coming. And so uh, pray for David. And David uh, is, a, is a, a sophomore, and he's training for the ministry. And you know what? David is just seeking God and trying to find out the will of God in his life. And he called me up. And look, you understand when you're at Bible college in a big, big Bible college and you're willing to come to a little tiny church, he's never been to a tiny church this tiny, okay? And to him, it's really tiny. But to us, it's pretty big in this small town, okay? But uh, to him, it's, it's small. He said uh, he hasn't really been a part of a church that's under 200. I said, do you, under, do you know, David, the average church size in America is 75, okay? That's the average. And you got mega churches, so that means the average is pretty small. And he's like, oh, okay. And so we had a great conversation this week, and we're excited about him coming and serving and being a part of our ministry for 12 weeks this summer. And so we're, we're, gonna, we're just going to have a great time with him. It's going to be a time for really, it's a time for me to invest in his life and for you to invest. And we're going to invest together and we're going to serve together. And he's going to help us with our vacation Bible school. And we're going to work together as a team. It's a good way for him uh, to be a part of a local church. 
And he said, I want to see what real ministry is all about and what it's like being in a small town. He said, because these big churches, you don't really get to serve in the same way, and it's all a big program. And he said, I want to see what it's like in a little town church. And you pray that he um, is able to come and everything works out. He has a few more details, but Lord willing, a young man, David, will come with us uh, starting in May and in, in the second week or third week of May. So I'm just so excited about these men wanting to grow and wanting to, to, to be strengthened in the word of God. If you could have been with me and seen when some, some folks, when God began to work in their heart and see where God's moving them right now, it's the power of God's word because we can't do it. God did it. And that's the exciting thing about church, the visible presence of God. Often, though, we can see the visible presence of God and we can doubt it because of unbelief. And we must ask God to continually help us to see where he's at work and get involved where he's at work. When we think of the visible presence of God, we must never rely on our past victories, but always believe God for present victories. Lord, would you work today? Lord, would you cause my neighbor who is hardened against the faith to come to faith in Christ? And we have, look, there's people that we are mentoring right now, even virtually. They're not working right here in this town. We're having virtual meetings with people. And uh, we're having meetings with people that don't even attend here yet, uh, that are in the community, that are atheists, that are wanting to put their faith in Christ. When God's stirring an atheist's heart, my friend, uh, that's an exciting thing. And we're having some meetings like that. You pray for my wife. wife God would give her strength. And, uh, and she had a, about a four-hour meeting with one of these uh, women this week that's uh, seeking to come to faith. And we want to pray that God continues to work and causes people to put their faith in Christ. We're believing God for present victories. You say, how can I serve? How can I help? You can pray that some of these souls will get saved and God will work in these families. That would be exciting. Amen? A confident submission to the word of God. There's the visible presence of God, but then there's a submission to the word of God. Look in verse 4. It says in Acts 16, And they went through the cities, and they delivered them decrees for to keep, that were ordained of the apostles and elders were at Jerusalem. They did not have the written New Testament before their eyes yet. They just had the letters that they had received up to this point. But they had a submission to the word of God. And you notice it says in our text, they delivered them decrees for to keep. There was structure, and it says they were ordained to the elders, which were in Jerusalem. This structure came from the elders who had prayed and who believed God and seen God work. And they were believing God to direct and believing God to guide. There was a submission to the word of God. You know what I look for in our lives, in the life of any person who is going to help us here, who's going to serve, especially on the platform? A submission to the word of God. That's it. That they bow down to God's word. That if God's word says it, they don't question it and try to explain it. There's a submission. There's a submission to the word of God. Everyone who attends needs to see that we have a confident submission to the word of God. And uh, it must, a church must not be simply established by the advice of our friends. It must be established by a sure foundation, the word of God. Trends should not determine our platform. It must be clearly based on the word of God. What we do, hey, if God, God's word doesn't, uh, if God's word has commanded us to do it, we know that we ought to pray. We know that we ought to read the word of God. We know that we ought to uh, sing. The Bible tells us singing with a joyful song. These are things we know we ought to do. So when we come worship, we know we ought to pray. We ought to read the word. And we know we ought to sing. 
These are things that we know we ought to do. And in regards to other things, the Bible clearly does command us of other behaviors and things that we ought to do. There's the, there's the partaking of the Lord's Supper, which we did last week. A great time together around the Word of God and around uh, the, the, the remembering the bread and the, the body. Remembering the body of the Lord that was broken. And the juice remembering His blood that was shed. We did that last week. And we're going to, Lord willing, have a baptismal service coming up. That's also an ordinance of the local church. Uh, other churches may add extra ordinances, but the Word of God really gives us those two biblical ordinances. And a huge part in being happy and content in your church is learning to be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you would. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6. 1 Timothy 6 and verse 6. Godliness with contentment is great gain. The Bible says, look back in verse 3 though. If any man teach otherwise, and look what it says, and consent not to wholesome words, even to the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whether cometh envy, strife, and railings, and evil surmisings. He's saying they're getting into a lot of fighting over words, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself, verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. He's saying, look, the church ought to be about seeking God, and there ought to be godliness with contentment. We're content if God is at work. We are content to follow Him. We're not going to trust the man. We're going to trust the word of God. How do we know that God is leading us to be a part of a local church? Several things. And I'll tell you, the children are agreeing with me on this part. Amen? They're agreeing. Uh, the word of God and prayer is guiding us. How do you know God's leading? The word of God and prayer. The word of God and prayer. It's a beautiful thing. The word of God and prayer. I love the children. I love the noise. Keep them in here. I love it. I love it. Mine sang all last week in church. It's great. All right? I love having children in church. And I told everybody down at the Bible study this morning, when the children were running upstairs, I said, that is a beautiful sound. You don't want to have a church without that sound in it. If it is, it's a dead church. Okay? So you need a church with children in it. It's a good thing. Uh, the word of God in prayer is guiding us. Now, God always leads us closer to his presence. How do we know if it's God's will for us to be part of this local church? The word of God in prayer is guiding us. And, and we met with Christian and Stephanie this week, and they just shared with us some things from the word and some things from prayer that were guiding them. And we demonstrate a respect towards our spiritual leaders on both sides. Look, if God's leading you to move from one church to the other church, there ought to be a spirit of respect to those who helped over here going over here. Even if there's a disagreement, there ought to be respect on both sides. And we ought to demonstrate respect. If we can't demonstrate respect, just like uh, if somebody goes through the, the pain and suffering of a divorce, if they're constantly speaking evil of the spouse who divorced them, they're, gonna, they're not ready to get married to somebody else. Because that, 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 that marriage is going to be contaminated by the bitterness over here. And oftentimes people think maybe they're, they're dating and they say, you know what? Uh, they'll hear somebody talking about uh, their ex-boyfriend, their ex-girlfriend, speaking negatively, speaking ill of them. You wait, you're going to be next in line. 
And so uh, there ought to be an attitude of respect on both sides. And when it comes to the church house, we ought to be very, very careful. Obviously, we need to speak of certain things with leadership, sure. But there ought to be respect on both sides. And that's when I'm encouraged whenever there's a transition between churches, when somebody comes from one to the other, that they demonstrated respect on their way going out and they demonstrated respect on their way coming in. If there's not that in place, keep in mind there is pride, there is contention, and there is a lack of submission to God's word, and they will, we will never be happy in any place if we don't have contentment where we're at right now. And God can lead us, but God's going to lead us to go lead a soul to Christ. God's not going to lead us just because our preference has changed or because uh, we wanted something easier. Uh, we have faith. So we, 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 we demonstrate respect towards spiritual leaders on both sides. How do we know God's leading us to be part of this local church? We also see God at work. We can see it. We believe it. Uh, that's how you know God's leading you to a specific place. Also, we have the faith to believe God will keep working in the new church we're at. That's faith, okay? Uh, when you go to be a part of a church plant, Brother Gary Ellison, who spoke for us a few years ago, many of you have not met him yet, but he and I helped, uh, I helped being a part of his ministry, and I got to watch him start churches, and I got to kind of just sit there and, and observe and help and, and just do some things with the youth, try to, try to remove the, the burdens from him and serve with him. And, and Brother Gary, we would go to a little town, we'd go to a place, and he had a family, a big family. And so he has a family of eight, and they'd kind of fill up one side of the church. And there was a few others who went and helped. And we would start, and I remember the first week we started, there was two people in church. But I, I remember, now look, he was a very energetic individual and I remember how just six months later there were 100 people in church. And I was shocked. Now, 44 of those people I had personally invited to church and saw them come. Now, I've not been able to see that happen again in one place. It happened in Georgia. I thought that was pretty cool. The one summer. It was an experience. Now, look, you can't live on past victories. You can't live on past victories. But I remember that summer seeing a man who I respected and God used... To start from literally zero, and God sent 100 people in. It was, this, it was this area. There was a lot of migrant workers. There was a lot of trailer parks. And we went to the trailer parks. And my friend, the trailer park smelled like cat and dog, okay? And we went to the trailer parks, and we began knocking on those doors. And I remember several times I was in the trailer parks there in Georgia. And I would knock one up to this one door, and there was this whole group of men sitting around. And this whole group of Hispanic men. And I was just learning Spanish. And I was, I was about... Uh, Kamari's age, or, or actually I was Sterling's age, I was 19, and uh, I'm, I'm standing up there Sterling, I knock on the door, I'm getting up there to, 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 ready to knock on the door, and I see all these guys sitting around, and they were involved in things that Hispanic men like to do. Now, you don't know what Hispanic men like to do? They like to party, okay? And they were having a party going on right there, and they, they said, oh, you a preacher man? Oh, you like the Bible? They said this all in Spanish to me. They said, mira, amigo, Mira. And they gave me one of their bottles, okay? And I'll tell you, it wasn't water. It wasn't juice. And I said, friend, I can't have that. Now look, I wanted them to come put their faith in Christ. And I remember a few weeks later, I was at a different trailer park knocking the door. And this one guy, he said, I want Jesus. I want Jesus today. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I led him through a prayer. I talked with that guy for two hours. I didn't know enough to know the guy was drunk. He was so happy that day. I never saw him again. All right? I led him to Christ, but he was, he was a transient. He would move from place to place. Look, I saw the word of God work. My friend, 
Um, how do we know that God is working? I saw God work through Brother Ellison, and it encouraged my faith that, you know what, wherever God sends me, whatever God does, I can see God work, and I can see God give men deliverance. And I was believing God, you know what, God's going to give men deliverance. And it's been exciting to see God give some men deliverance in the house. It's been so exciting to see God give deliverance. We have faith to believe God will keep working in his, this church. And if you have faith to believe God's going to keep working in this church, would you say amen? If you want to have faith, you can say amen too, okay? Uh, we trust that God is guiding the leader, all right? For me, that was just trusting God was leading Brother Ellison where I was at. We're ready to commit. We're ready to commit. How long halt you between two opinions? Look, if God's at work, jump in while he's at work. Don't wait, all right? How do we know? We're ready to commit. How long halt you between two opinions? I'm just not sure. I'm not sure. Don't let your feelings make your decision. Follow faith in Christ. And, and look, we also, another way that we know that God's leading us is we're growing in the place he has sent us. Uh, you say, well, how do I grow? How long can I grow? You ought to bloom where you're planted. As I was describing a discipleship to one of our men, I said, look, when you're growing, this is the goal of discipleship. We're going to give you the word of God so that the spiritual desires that are in your heart get planted in fertile soil in the word of God and fruit starts to grow. Simply, I'm giving you fertilizer so that God's word can grow in your heart. And hopefully, we see his word start to grow. That's an evidence of the spirit of God. The word begins to grow in your heart. There's faith. And now you have in your heart seeds of faith that grow trees of faith. And now there's a garden, a spiritual garden in your heart. And when you're dealing with discouragement, over here there's some spiritual joy that's coming up because the spirit of God's in your life. And the goal of the word of God is that it comes into our heart and that we do not allow just trends or some habits to, uh, to dictate what we do in the house of God, but instead that in the house of God we clearly allow for a confident submission to the word of God. People often ask and they'll say, um, what what is, the most, uh, what is the most important thing in a church? And I believe the most important thing is that the Word of God is preeminent. And the Word of God is preeminent. And it's a place where souls will be saved. You ought to ask yourself when you go to a church, is this a place where souls are going to be saved? Is this a place where souls are being saved? And I believe the most important part of the service should be the preaching of the Word of God. Look, we've got nice things for our young people. We even got them a, a little... Uh, a little uh, air hockey table, right? Is that what's it okay, I can't remember the name of the thing. Okay, I got you a little air hockey table this week. And they got it downstairs. They can have a little bit of fun with that. And, and I know some of the adults in the room are even excited about that, all right? And, some, and you know what? You're going to have to be fighting over if you can get down there for it quick enough, okay? But look, I want you to fellowship. I want you to spend time together. I want you to get to know each other better in the house of God. But it's not all about fun and games. It's really about we hear the preaching of God's word and the predominant thing, the preeminent thing ought to be the conviction of the word of God. That's why we're having this conference. We're going to have a great time around the word of God. We're going to let somebody else come in here and share the word of God. Somebody else preach the word of God. A man of God who has been proven in that thing. Several have encouraged me over the past few years. They said, Pastor, would you change on this or that? And I've determined simply to promote the gospel and the doctrines of the Bible more than exalting any tradition of man. Okay? I strive to be more biblical than Baptist. I'm Baptist, okay? I'm Baptist. Uh, I'm not changing that. But, but I am seeking to be more biblical than I am Baptist. And the problem sometimes is, and I grew up around this, is that it was more Baptist than biblical. All right? It was more about Baptist than biblical, and it ought to be more about biblical than Baptist. Okay? Because when we get to heaven, 
There's not going to be a corner for the Baptist. It's not just going to be Baptists in heaven. It's going to be anybody who put their faith in Jesus Christ, and that would include David. And he was not part of a denomination. But nowadays, it is very important to define who you are. Very important. And, and even non-denominational is a denomination. Okay? And, and community church is still a denomination. And every church carries with it a, a reputation or, a, um, or an identification. And so we ought to see what lines up with the Word of God. Now, if there's something that the Word of God teaches that Baptist doctrine disagrees with, then it would be very important that we follow the Word of God. To this point in my life, I have not found anything that I would say disagrees with the Word of God. If it did, I would not be Baptist, okay? I love the heritage of a Baptist forefathers. I respect how in the early 1500s and early 1600s, they stirred up for the Bible over the traditions of men. They read in the Scriptures. They read of different things in the Word of God. And because of what they did... They were literally dunked in cages in the river. And I'll explain to you why. The Baptists were literally, they were called Anabaptists first, at first. They were literally dunked in the river and killed in a cage. The reason why is because they left the state church. The state church taught infant baptism at birth. They rejected that teaching because they saw in the Bible that they were always baptized as adults. They never saw a child, an infant being baptized. And so because of that, the Baptists, the Anabaptists were first, then they were, then they were Baptists. Because they rejected that teaching, and because they were baptized by immersion as an adult, simply because of that act of being baptized in identification with Christ after they had believed, the church then, the state, state church, had Catholic doctrine, did not agree with that. They took those, those believers who had put their faith in Christ and sought to identify with him as an adult. They took them and dunked them in the river in the cage until they were dead. And those cages you can actually see in some of the churches if you go over and travel in England. And because of that heritage, I, I realize there are people who died for the faith. And I want to be very careful before I make changes. A lot of young men who are my age are quickly changing from this and that. Uh, I understand there is a heritage of standing true and, see, and really even being willing. Look, if you're willing to be drowned for your faith simply because you hold to it. Um, I thank God for them being willing to dr be drowned for their faith. And because of that, many, many people were saved out of that Anglican background. Um, I will continue to lead our church to be gracious, kind, biblical, and truthful in our manner of worship and living. We're going to strive to walk in love toward others who believe in and follow the faith taught in the Word of God. And look, I recognize God has used men from various denominations throughout history. And you ought to be able to recognize that. Jonathan Edwards, who I highly respect, was not a Baptist. But God used him. You understand, God uses different people throughout history. And so we don't want to be stuck up on a specific uh, denomination, hold that above the word of God. But uh, in heaven, when those denominations will cease to exist, uh, we must recognize, so here on earth, we must understand that a denomination is like an umbrella. Okay, folks on, who stand under the umbrella recognize the umbrella as protecting them from the rain. And look, there's going to be doctrines that will come against the church. And these doctrines, we must have some core of beliefs, a tenet core of beliefs. And we must have that core of beliefs obvious and apparent. And so that when you're standing under this umbrella, you're recognizing this is the tenet and core of beliefs. Um, and you, today in different, society, different church groups, you will see there's, there's some churches who promote Sodomy, open sodomy, 
right? And it's in their core beliefs. And, and there's other churches who promote the idea, the concept of uh, maybe women pastors. And you've got you to understand what the Bible teaches and what you believe. and need to follow the word of God. And there's other churches who may teach um, that you can speak in tongues. And, and, and you say, well, can we speak in tongues? Can we not? And the Bible says they were temporary sign gifts. And uh, today, you may go to a conference, you may go to a meeting and have people speaking in tongues... But I encourage you to check out what they're doing because often they've recited and they've memorized what they're doing. And they're just quoting a bunch of gibberish that they memorized in their Pentecostal services. You must be very careful that it actually be the Spirit of God, not just somebody's memorized rote saying. And oftentimes, also along with that, it is taught that if you do not speak in tongues, you're not going to heaven which we would all, I think, disagree with, okay? And so you must be very careful that the doctrine that you get mixed up in does not lead you into a viewpoint that takes you away from the Word of God because salvation in the Word of God is by faith in Christ alone. And so although I have Pentecostal friends, right? I have friends from various denominations. And I have friends who may uh, speak in tongues, but they believe that Jesus Christ is the only way. Okay, I have friends like that. I have acquaintances like that. And look... They're entitled to believe their own opinion, but I want to follow the word of God. And so because of that, we do have denominations that clearly identify this is what we believe, this is what we teach. We want to follow the word of God. Um, we understand the word of God must be first place, and with biblical reverence and worship in place, we want to lead, lead in worship that is demonstrating a respect for the holiness of God. And reverence invites the presence of God. You see in the, New, in the Old Testament, they fell down and worshiped before God. And I want to remind you of something that I preached on just a few uh, weeks ago about Jesus was a friend of sinners. I want to challenge all of us to be a friend of sinners uh, this week. And think about this. People want hope. And when we're seeking to lead others to Jesus Christ... People want hope. And as Paul went to different towns and different villages, as we saw in Acts 16, people want hope. I want to remind you of these truths. People also, uh, we need to understand, change is usually a long process. It, now, we saw this morning downstairs, the maniac of Gadara met Jesus. He was instantly changed. But oftentimes with folks, change is a long process because there's ideologies that we think are biblical that need to be erased from our mind. Next, um, we often resist growth. That's even demonstrated in nature with plants. They resist growth often. All right? Fourth, people quickly return to their old habits. And so we want to love the sinner. When you love the sinner, recognize there's going to be temptation to go back to the old habits. Those who consider themselves spiritual often backslide the furthest. And we want to walk close to God. I'm not more spiritual than somebody else. Okay? It's not about a spirituality contest. It's about becoming like Jesus Christ. So we want to make sure that we don't consider ourselves more spiritual because we could fall further than others. And scripture clearly supports this. Let, take, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. The sharp tongue has few friends. Be careful about that. Don't give up and you will earn trust. I challenge each of us with that. Don't give up. God's going to work. God will give, help you learn, earn trust. And the critic has a sad end. Don't be the one who criticizes everything. We want to trust God and believe him. And those who learn to love have joy and a smile to go with it. I tell you, Paul learned to love. Paul learned to work. And even in our text in Acts, Paul had had a disagreement in the chapter earlier. But he left out of that disagreement with his fellow co-worker. 
He left with joy and the spirit of the power of God in his life. And God used him to go meet Timothy. And God used him to go meet Lydia. And people got saved. If you, no matter what you got going on in your life, you ask God to give you joy. If you know Christ, ask him to give you peace. And ask him, Lord, ask the Lord to give you a smile. And God will give you the strength to minister and help sinners come to faith in Christ. Which church should I be a part of? You want to be a part of a church where God is at work. And we're just believing God to continue to work as we fight the good fight of faith today. Let's stand together for a moment of prayer. As we stand, we're just going to take a few moments to seek the Lord and ask God to renew our hearts. And maybe you're here today and uh, you maybe have never put your faith in Jesus Christ and you need to do that. Or maybe you have put your faith in Christ and God's just working on your heart and he's just asking, maybe leading you today to pray for somebody that needs to be saved or maybe even to pray about joining with and being a part of this local church. And if that's what God's leading your heart and God's directing you, you just do whatever God leads you to do during this time of invitation. So as we all are standing, we're just going to take a moment with our heads bowed. We're just going to ask God to meet with us right now and speak to us and direct us as the piano begins to play in just a moment. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a heart that seeks you and follows you, trusts in you. As the word says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. Help us in all our ways to acknowledge him your word says he will direct thy paths. And we thank you for how you're going to move and how you're going to direct. We're asking you to do that in our hearts. Since the piano begins to play, would you just take a moment to seek the Lord right where you're at? Would you seek him and ask the Lord to work, ask the Lord to direct, ask the Lord to guide in your heart today? If you want to come forward and pray for somebody, that'd be great. Maybe pray and ask God to help you to be a witness to somebody today, this week. Ask God to work. However the Lord leads you, just do business with the Lord. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior, would you see me afterwards? I want to show you from the Bible how you can know heaven is your home, how you can put your faith in Christ. I pray that be true in our hearts. I surrender all. May we surrender everything to you and trust you and allow you to lead and guide us in the way that we should go. We sure thank you for your goodness and your love. We ask that you would be with us as we go. Be with every home. Give strength. Give victory, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So glad each of you made it together today. And be sure, ladies, afterwards, uh, my wife is trying to find the best time for the ladies' Bible study. And many of you, your work schedule has changed recently. Many of you uh, have, you're caring for your loved ones. A lot of things going on that you're busy doing. And my wife wants to find a time that would work best for our ladies. And we're going to try to do, I think, a bi-weekly or monthly uh, ladies' meetings. Yes, dear? Wednesday, right, this week on Wednesday, we're not, you guys are not going to be meeting. And my wife's going to try to schedule a time that would work best for our ladies. Many of you are transitioning with different things going on in your lives right now. We're